This is the Recorded Conversations Podcast, the podcast dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in an authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. Listen, this podcast episode is stellar. Last week's was good too with 3 The Entertainer, but this week I'm going to be introducing you to Zach Watson. On TikTok, he is known as Zach Reformed Manchild, but on YouTube, he's known as Zach Think Share. And I highly encourage you to check him out just so you can see where he's coming from and understand his perspective better. Ultimately, the way we connected was the way I connect with most people, in disagreement, in a civil disagreement, in a differing of views about what mental load is, what invisible labor is, and what's too much to ask a man in a marriage. Zach offers his unique perspective after living with his own conflicts and difficulties in his own marriage and realizing where he was contributing to the problems and the conflict, which is what we want of anybody to stand in accountability and awareness, to take action, and to change problematic attitudes and behaviors that become an impetus to marriages and relationships. So I appreciate his unique point of view, and I think you will as well, even though we don't agree. Uh, But he's right. I think ultimately we want the same thing, we want to offer advice from our own experience to other people to see if that will help them better connect within their relationships. And I'm all on board for that. It's the erotic way to make sure that we have mutual recognition within the relationship and also mutual individual personal accountability, something I appreciate about Zach. So I just want you to get set and ready for a wonderful conversation to unfold that might help you figure out how to better problem solve within your own romantic erotic relationship. So listeners, as I always ask of you, please compassionately consider the perspective of my guest, Zach Watson. Enjoy the episode. ready to roll? Well, yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, so first I'd like to thank you, Zach, for reaching out to me and messaging me and asking me to have a conversation. I appreciate that so much. I love conversation. And I think it's important to, you know, I know I have my perspective, you have your own perspective. And if people are willing to like explain where they're coming from, we can have true understanding. And that's just a benefit for the universe. So for me, I'm on board with this idea. And I think really that's maybe what your goal is too, is just try and understand where I'm coming from. I can see where you're coming from. And you had hinted that you thought we were probably more in alignment than I thought. And so I just want to 
I just want to give you the space to kind of draw those alignments and kind of explain where you're coming from. Yeah. And uh, thank you for having me. Thank you for saying yes to the invitation. Um, and one of the other things I wanted to share is, so there's a guy that is consistently in a lot of my comments. You may have seen him before. He sometimes, I don't know if it's purposeful or accidental, but he blows up like the comment section in my videos and he can want single-handedly like make a video go viral from the ridiculous comments he puts in there. Mm-hmm. I DM with him in the background all the time. We strongly, strongly disagree on a lot of things. But one of the things I've been impressed about him, I don't even, I don't even, I can't decide if it's a friendship or an acquaintanceship or what, but we're able to significantly disagree on things and have a really healthy discourse, I think. And it like he a lot of times he will say things that sound ridiculous to me, but there's no insulting. There's, Mm -hmm. there's just like, I don't understand where you're coming from. And like the continue, the conversation just keeps going. And uh, as much as I disagree, and I think some of his, his opinions on things are almost harmful for people. um, I'm really in awe of what I'm able to accomplish with Mm -hmm. him. And uh, I love the idea of today. I, I don't think it'll actually turn out that we're divided on a whole lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's one of the things that inspires me about that, that inspired me enough to, to reach out to you rather than, cause I came real close to, I think there was one or two videos where I was probably just in my feelings. I came close to like chirping back at you sort of, um, instead of like reaching out. So, uh, just so for people listening context, I made a video, um, I consistently make videos talking about how men are adding extra mental load for women. Um, after reading the fair play book last year, um, it was a really confronting book for me to listen to. And I realized some of the challenges that currently existed in my relationship with my wife, Alitha, um, came from me executing on a lot, but not really bearing the whole mental load of things. And so since discovering that, since sharing, uh, like as I was reading through those early chapters, like sharing my response on it, um, and hearing how valuable people found it to be hearing it come from a man and hearing me be self-reflective and like recognize where I'm screwing up and trying to be vulnerable. Um, I've consistently made more content speaking on that area. And so the video that, um, that I'd made was the concept of making a list. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women in my, so I will say my, my prejudice or my, um, my bias is definitely leaning for women that are mm-hmm. struggling with men that are not pulling their weight. Um, because I think I see so many of them like in the comments saying like, yeah, this sucks. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to teach him. I don't even know how to show him these videos that you're talking about without him being triggered by it. Um, and so a lot of it comes up as like talking about like making lists. So the sort of the perspective that I was offering in that video was, a lot of times women will say, Hey, we need things done around the house, um, which we somewhat agree on. Mm-hmm. And let's say companies coming over. Um, can you, can you help me? Uh, and it really, I think one of the things I've been working on wrapping my head around in, in my own life, in my own relationship is that it's not me helping her. It's me helping the unit. Um, and the, when it comes out as can the guy help the, the woman, um, 
that's when she immediately becomes project manager of that. And so within that context, when he's saying, well, sure, I can, I can help. Can you make me a list? The, the issue that can come up is that it becomes an extra burden for her to think of all the things that need to happen for like a plan to be executed. So she has to, she's conceiving of the plan. She's, planning the plan and she's offering for him to execute. And so a lot of what it talks about in fair play and what I talk about a lot of my content is the actual heaviness of the, the C, the P and the E versus a lot of people just see the, I'm going to use that probably acronym a bit, CPE conception, planning and execution. Um, A lot of people just see the E and they don't realize the burden or the value or the heaviness of the C and the P. And so I, I think I'm going to butcher what your response was. I think the first comment I saw was like, I think you were alarmed at how many people in the comments and or probably a little bit of what I had said was like, it was alarming how much people were unwilling to meet the guy on the other end that really would benefit from a list in him being able mm-hmm. to have like executive functioning improved executive functioning around that sort of place. So maybe maybe you can sort of take it from there, what your gut reaction was, like what some of the things were that you had to say back. Yeah. And so this comes solely from my perspective, right? Is like just things that I've learned in the almost two decades that I've been with my husband, Corey, right? And just really paying attention to what I'm contributing to, including complaint, which can lead to conflict that doesn't even need to be there in the first place. And so for me, what I hear is it's too much responsibility to think. And it, for me, it just, it had this Orwellian feel to it where, you know, and I don't know if you've read 1984 or not, but the conception in the book is that people were afraid to think and people were afraid to speak. And so communication was confused. We started getting too subjective with words and words were so subjective that you you couldn't understand anybody anymore. And so it was best to just minimize communication or eradicate it altogether and then slowly gravitate towards eradicating freedom of thought, being afraid to think, right? So we think of this idea of thought police. And so that's kind of the trajectory that I was concerned about. That's kind of what I was thinking was taking place. And it's not that you were conscious and that's what you're like, yes, let's all stop thinking. But that's the layers that I see because I've experienced that in my own life, right? I'm I'm a word freak. I love words. I I'm very picky about words. And as a coach, I recognize how much power the words I use and the intention I put behind them have. And So when I think about how we all have this really clever ability to attach our emotions to words, um, and then we attach emotions to our thoughts, I feel like we're acting like being a human being is just too much of a burden and too much mental labor, and we should always find reasons to not be. And so that's kind of the, if I have a concern about like how this could lead an entire collective of people it would be towards this idea of almost being 
fearful of communicating, being fearful to ask people questions, being fearful that I might inconvenience my partner to the degree that they actually have to like move neurons in their head and think. And that might be a really big emotional burden, but I'm like, well, is thinking really a burden? Because when I think about thinking, thinking is really nothing. Sometimes it's just background noise to fill the space. And other times I know that I build stories. I build enormous stories around what I'm perceiving because I had an emotional reaction to it. And then I grow it out of proportion. And then I have a tendency of now it's all Corey's fault. Fuck you. It must be your fault. It ain't my fault. So it's your fault. Yeah. And it's your fault because I have all these feelings and I have all these responsibilities. And I don't know. It feels like we're trying to relinquish responsibility to thought and to, and to responsibility and to, how can I get out of work? How can I get out of doing anything? How can I just not do anything? And that's that's kind of the trajectory I saw. I know that's really, really long-winded, but just in my mind, that's what I, I'm concerned about. And so to pull back, maybe to simplify it, I turn it to you and a question is, you know, do you ever worry that like you have to overthink too much about her overthinking? And 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 you know, and then now everybody's overthinking and trying really hard to like not think. And I mean, does that add any kind of stress or confusion? You know what I mean? Yes, it's a good question. So I think so. Another example. I haven't put this video out there. The other night, this was an example of. And so another two like vocab words I'll I'll be using a lot tonight: mental load and emotional labor. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one of the things I've been learning is that oftentimes uh, men, it, I'm going to end up saying men and women as like a majority. I, I know it's not all, but it'll turn into a lot of majority moments. Um, a lot of men have a tendency to burden women by not realizing the space that they're taking up or mm-hmm. the danger that they're kind of posing. So for example, I'm, I'm a bigger dude, 6'5", 215 pounds. If uh, if you were filling the gas in your car, I don't know how tall you are, but like, and you're approached by- Little. Five two, okay. Okay, so if you're approached by a guy, 6'5", 215 pounds, I would imagine that depending what, what headspace you're in in that very moment, that could be a little bit intimidating. Would you agree? No. Okay. Would you agree that for- a good handful or the majority of women that might be intimidating? Could be, yes. Okay. So the reason I'm bringing this specific example of approaching at a gas pump, the other day I was on the train coming home and I realized, oh shit, I need to fill up my gas tank and it's almost on empty and I left my wallet at home. So I know I'm about to arrive at my car from the train And I know that I probably have just enough gas to make it to a gas station less than a mile away. I have no money to pay for this. I have my phone on me. I can probably trade someone Venmo. So I think to myself, okay, I could definitely make it to the gas station and I could ask someone there and hope that there's just a good Samaritan along the way. And I think to myself, okay, if it's a woman there, do I wait for her to pass by? And part of my thinking there is I'm trying to not create emotional labor for someone that might feel intimidated by me. And I'm trying to be more aware of my body, aware of my space, aware of um, 
I know an experience that a lot a lot of women deal with where you know a, a third of women will deal with we'll say SA in their lifetime and a large person that they don't they don't know I'm a big goofy friendly dude like if I'm approaching them that that could be an immediate immediate danger type moment um so what I thought was okay I'm getting off this train there's going to be a bunch of people I'm going to try to find someone that I think might have cash. I sort of scanned the area, looked for someone on the older side that might still carry cash and see if they had Venmo. I got really lucky. I found two people that were standing talking to each other kind of in the parking lot. I was able to knock out two birds with one stone and got lucky. One of them had cash, one of them had Venmo, and then they exchanged. The thinking behind that that was required was... I don't want to say significant, but in a younger me would not have thought I would have just got to the, got to my car be like, Oh shit. Well, I guess I'm going to have to see if I can make it to the gas station and see what happens from there. Um, there was not as much thought. There was not as much thinking around how can I make the experience for the person that I'm going to go talk to. It's a stranger. Um, I'm totally willing to let them sit in that discomfort rather than me bearing some of that on my own mm-hmm. and try to find a more ideal situation to approach that. So I think two strangers in a semi group of people where neither of them really feel attacked or victimized or like approached like by a stranger. Um, I think that it's healthy for a lot of guys to be doing more of that type of thinking and more of that emotional labor and sort of coming back to the example I think there's a lot of times where guys are not doing that thinking of like, okay, guests are coming over. Floors need to be swept. Let's look around at their shoes everywhere, their toys everywhere. And instead they're saying, I don't want to do thinking, but my wife knows I'll ask her for a list. And so kind of coming back to your question, does it feel like sometimes I'm overdoing it in terms of like, am I overcompensating and trying to overcalculate what her experience is going to be. I think in our specific relationship, so she deals with a good amount of anxiety, uh, PTSD. Um, you know, she's been through, I would argue, a handful tougher times than I've been through. I don't deal with anxiety. Um, I feel like I've had a pretty privileged and simple life for the most part. Um, and so I'm willing to look out more for some of those emotional moments that I know that she might deal with that I can try to avoid um, and, and make simpler for her. Like if, if she gets overwhelmed, she's, she could have a panic attack. If I get overwhelmed, I might end up just kind of shutting down and playing chess on my phone, uh, but it's definitely not going to be a, I've never had a panic attack. Um, does, does that sort of answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I appreciate that, that you, you took us through that example, especially too. And so These are theoretical situations that have been presented on social media that I've actually responded to in this idea that, I don't know, one time it was this woman who was approached by a man in a Target parking lot and she went in this enraged uh, video recording of like expressing all of her emotions and, and then building stories of what could have happened had she not, I'm not really sure of her name to be honest i wasn't paying attention but you know that might and, be the video i was i was referencing and thinking about yeah and so i think about like i understand that these these hypothetical situations occur right like 
Sure, we've all heard about some woman who was accosted by some man in broad daylight in a parking lot, but I tend to veer away from perpetuating these paranoid thoughts, right? That it's going to happen to every single person. And even just, just to push back a little bit, this idea that one in three women will be assaulted some form in her life. Sometimes when I hear that, I want to say, what do you mean by assault? Because the definition continues to grow around a lot of words and a lot of phrases to the degree that they almost lose meaning because now everything is racism and everything is misogyny and everything is misandry and 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 everything is transphobia and everything is homophobic. And I think everything, depending on who who that person is and how they feel, can then decide what experience they had with no objective like standard of a cutoff of like how far we keep stretching that word, right? So just to push back on that. So I was sexually assaulted in my life more than once. The first time I was 16, I was at McDonald's. I was working. It was by a coworker. He was 19. And yeah, he put his hands on me. He started groping me. And I instantly went through this whole, okay, I've been flirting with him. I thought he was cute. We've been dancing around going out. I didn't lock the door when I changed my clothes in the locker room. And I went through this whole just taking accountability. I mean, I obviously had to make a report. It happened. It was inappropriate. He was an adult. I was not. And he ultimately got fired. But when I look back on it, it didn't victimize me. It didn't bring me down. It was just this really stupid, shitty experience that happened. And I honestly look back and I'm like, I think it was more than what it needed to be. I don't think I even needed to involve the police. I think I could have had a conversation with them and related to him as a human being and explained boundaries because even then I was pretty self-aware. I knew how to talk to people. Um, But I think a lot of people have an experience like that and they never let it go. And then Mm -hmm. they build this victim ideology around every single negative experience to the degree that they can't build resiliency. How dare you ask a victim to build their resiliency? You're basically blaming the victim. And it's like, no, I'm trying to help you not be a victim of a circumstance where you had limited to no control around. But I don't think we want to perpetuate that to the degree that we assume every experience we are a part of is going to make me a victim. I think that gets really egocentric. You're always thinking about yourself and somebody else worried about you or or minding you or paying attention to you. And, and I think, well, if I understand that my words have power and my thoughts have power, and then I really believe this and I'm always expecting it, and then it does happen to some degree, I can't help but think about like the universe tries to align with what you're trying to manifest and what you're thinking about and what you're focused on. And so my mindset is geared at, I don't want people to create a mindset around this. I don't want people to create a fear intention around it. Like this could happen or it did happen. Therefore it might always happen. And I should always just be in fight or flight, you know? And it's like, we recognize people get trapped there through trauma, right? Through PTSD or through complex PTSD. My husband has PTSD from a personal experience with me, right? And Mm -hmm. and also from deployment and just lots of shit. But also what we don't encourage is when we recognize something that we can diagnose, we don't want people to be stuck in that. We want to help them break free from that, right? And so 
you know, my husband recognized he had PTSD. So he was like, okay, I don't want PTSD anymore. So we're going to get over this. We're going to move through this. We're going to grow through this. Right. And so it's all about just mindset manifestation and orientation. And so, yeah, I guess I'm not trying to pick on you. And, and like I said, I don't think you're intentionally doing this. Like you don't have the information I do. So you wouldn't see it the way I would. But my concern is if we perpetuate this mentality and we're always like, yes, exactly, you're validated for everything, then I worry that we are creating a resiliency deficiency in people and a fear mindset and that people are going to be too afraid to connect and to socialize and to create communities and to find love and relationships. And so I just think it could, it, could there be another way we can address these issues but also encourage growth and transformation through the issue. You know what I mean? Sure. So maybe let's come back to like the original video that we had sort of, yeah. we had come together on. Um, so I would say I have two main styles that have been playing with a lot lately. And I think the style that you saw in that one, I think is the more entertainment, maybe comedic, um, also maybe like people feeling a little bit more validated versus there's one that's quite a bit more educational, I think. So for example, so appeal to well, emotion and then appeal to education, which are yeah, both so, great moves. And yeah. yeah, totally. I get it. Sorry. So I don't I mean to make it as column moves or anything. It's like your shtick. Sure. It's like how you invite people in so that they're like, I want to work with you or I want to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I think that probably though, and now I'm curious on your thoughts on this. So there's, there's the second video. I don't know how much you binge my content at all, but, um, watched a bit, the other, watched a bit. <laughs> the, the other main style that I think I have been running with the past maybe seven months is offering. This is where men often add extra mental load. And then I give option a option B option a option B. Yeah, I like that. Like, That's good. This is what's adding it. This is how we, add less of it or we like the guy can take more accountability and the thinking and the planning. Yeah. Um, and I think those are probably coming back to your question, like what's a better way to package this in a way that doesn't build victim mentality. And I think those are probably the the better one. And this is, this is an interesting sort of philosophical debate around like creator creatorhood, if you will, um, is like, how do you sometimes err on the side of like, education and really trying to deliver value to your audience in an educational growth way and how do you sometimes poke at those same things and be a little bit more on the entertaining side yeah. that you know is going to piss some people off that are going to take it the other way so i think the one that you commented on was definitely one of the more entertainment sides um and it's almost like sometimes i'm, I'm casting like a, like a big fishing net or something yeah. out to like Hey, I talk about this kind of general stuff, and then yep. they see a couple of my other videos, and like, oh, he dropped some education on us too. Yeah. So I think uh, I see that. I see that, and I appreciate that, and I noticed that you you have these nuanced approaches, like, and I guess I understand why you do that too, right? Because to a degree, I have to do this too. Is I, I want to appeal to both men and women, so I have to speak the women's language, and I have to speak the men's language. And if I know that men and women do think differently and perceive differently, it's, it's pretty easy to do that way. And it could have just been, you know, I just 
I'm a woman. I, I, I was on the wrong cycle when I saw your video too. You know what I mean? Not the wrong, but certain part of the cycle. And I, I mean, sure. I, I want to point out, I'm not the one that recognized those patterns. My husband did. God bless him. Mm-hmm. Been paying attention to my cycle. So he's like, if she's emotional in this week, I kind of know what it means. But if she's emotional in this week, then I, then I know what it means. And so it's that too, right? And I think that happens, especially on social media or with anybody that we follow and we start to admire or want to listen to is we do notice a bit of contradiction, but the way you worded it, it makes more sense to me that it's not really a contradiction. It's just a different presentation so that you can appeal to different people so you can get them all to kind of understand the page you're on. Like you come over on this side of the page and you over here and you all get it now, right? Yeah. 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 It's funny too, is because uh, sometimes you you put up those things. So I don't. Are you familiar with Jimmy on relationships? I'm not really good with names on TikTok. No but... worries. I I would argue between him and World Shaker. I would say the three of us are the most. That's pretty pretty tiskel sale, but fuck it. Um, I would say we're probably the three main people that I see tagged in or like recommended to speak more on relationships and mental load in in the style that we do which is definitely taking a bit more of like a, i would say that the flavor of a lot of our videos are holding men more accountable mm-hmm. um versus like sarah dawn shows as the red background podcast style yeah. she's typically holding women a bit more accountable for their actions and relationships i think she's a um, bit problematic but yeah there's, I don't, I don't like her. And I no, think, I, I think, think she just appeals to that red pill kind of Avenue mm-hmm. and she doesn't encourage women. And I'm, I, I try to interact with her and like, I would love to have a conversation with her, but I can't, Same. but I'm like, like, is this, do you think I, I can take brash, like I'm crass, I'm blunt. I can take it. Right. <laughs> But I think most women aren't like this. I'm more masculine. I'm I'm a fire sign. I'm masculine, blah, blah, blah. But I can handle it because that's how I am. But I think this doesn't appeal to women. You know, women like gentle, delicate language and they want to be encouraged and edified, not called out on the spot. And I think you have this opportunity. You have this following. You could just make a few changes edits and you could really appeal to women but she's just too she's yeah, just not like my cup of she tea. must have like a 90 percent male audience yes. I feel like yes definitely and sometimes i think to myself so an interesting difference because that you know i think as a creator you, you compare yourself with people and there are a lot of moments where i've compared myself as i'm almost a little bit of the opposite of her where I hold my own gender and sex accountable. Yeah. She kind of does the similar. The main difference that I think that I do my best to offer is share more vulnerable personal experiences and try to share like, not only am I trying to put out this education here, but I'm, I'm walking the walk too. Like I'm going to share a story of how I screwed up this the past 24 hours. Like I think still my favorite video that I've made was me calling myself out on another moment that I added extra mental load, like a tiny minute example. I think it's at 6.2 million or something. It's one of the top pinned videos of um, when I asked my wife, should we give her water or milk? 
um, and having her do the thinking rather than me doing the thinking out loud and, and making a default choice that she can sort of choose off of. Um, and I feel like that's something that a lot of creators similar to like Sarah that we don't really see. We see them making this talking head content um, like pretty short and like in leaving enough room at the end of their statement that like you can run in a lot of different directions Mm -hmm. versus I think I, I try to further qualify some of the things that I'm saying and I go a little bit deeper. So you can't take it in as many directions. Yeah. Um, It's an interesting thing that we're kind of discovering about like the, the, the different ways that creators can put out their messages and how, if you go straight for entertainment, like, like she, I, if you told me, if you described to me the difference between what I was doing, what she was doing, even without looking at her numbers, I know she's going to grow faster because she's going to say more polarizing things. Yeah, I know she's going to say things that people are really pissed about. Um, they're going to share it more. And there's going to be a lot of people that are like really excited about it. Um, and, and that polarization is probably a good example of sort of what I did there with that video on Instagram. That, that one is at 1.3 million um, awesome. and on TikTok. I think it's on, 200,000 or something. So that's what um, I noticed about mine too. If I'm polarizing, but then I go and I sometimes almost feel icky for playing in that game because I don't, I don't deal with that. Right. Like I reject as much duality as possible in my own household. Right. Like it's not about right or wrong. It's not about who's done more. It's not about who makes more, who does more in the house or did you do that? We just don't operate that way. We and when we notice that we're keeping record of rights or wrongs, like we both call each other back and we're like, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? We're on the same team. I don't need to compare with you. I don't need to compete with you. And so I try not to let that trickle outward because I think my my erotic relationships within my home are supposed to be the most transformative relationships to help me better connect with other people to better relate to other people to be more compassionate because of the compassion and love I have for my family you know like but when you get out into the matrix they they claw you in with all this shit and Mm -hmm. it's hard not to is to not play the game either is because I'm like but I mean look at how many fucking views I got you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. so okay I'll play the game again this week and then I'll pull back and I'll focus in on encouragement and edification and admonishing people and just advice and relatability. But the relatability thing that you talked about is important, right? And that's that's what I need from people for me to connect to them. Like, do you relate to me at all? Or do you see yourself like up here, like I'm a professional, I'm an expert and I'm just, you need me. Like, if you look at me that way, I don't want a therapist like that. I've had therapists like that, you know? And I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? You're not better than me because you got a PhD. Get out of here. You know, like I'm paying you lady, but if, if I can't relate, I mean, I feel that way with my clients. If I, if you can't relate to me, then you're not going to trust me and you're not going to, you're not going to do what I ask you to do. So I have to show you I'm human. And yeah, I mean, like I fucked up big time last week. And so I've been on this recording spree of like, just sharing everything I learned from last week and how I was like, like I I used the word bare minimum with my husband and I just felt, oh, as soon as it came out, I was like, I'm fucking rolling with it. And it was just like this demon monster came after it. And then like Hmm. later I was like, oh, 
that was so icky. I should have never said that because we don't do that. We don't compare. And for us, we're just like, if one of us needs help with something, we just say, we help me with this. We help me with this. And like either of us have ever said no to each other, right? Like, oh, will you come help me do the dishes? Fuck, you know, you know what I mean? Like, no, that doesn't happen. And so that's kind of what I, I, I got caught into that, that buzzword bandwagon and dropped that word bare minimum. And I, yeah. So then I realized that like, I'm the one that creates the bare minimum that I complain about. Right. Because when my husband, when I asked my husband to do something, especially if it's something new, or I'm like, can we just do it this way? Right. Or we're problem solved, whatever it is, we're collaborating on a project instead of being patient with him. And after showing him what I want, giving him space to like absorb it and let it become a program. You know what I do is I surveil him, and I, I kind of sabotage his, his efforts and, and his, and his attempts at trying to like meet my needs. Right. And so I was like, yeah, I just had this epiphany. Like, I, I keep creating the things that I'm complaining about by creating these unrealistic expectations and by getting caught up in the the squibble squabble of the, you know, the the squawking upset people on the internet and the the TikTok, mainly a lot of just upset housewives, I think. And and I get caught up in that. And I'm like, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to imitate that achiness. And I I don't want to walk around in my house like tabulating like how much is it worth that I do laundry and how much would I get paid if for the if I raise five kids? Like, do I get double? Cause I had twins. And I tandem breastfed. So like, do I get triple? And so then, you know, it's like, well, I don't want to value and rate myself that way. I don't care how society values what I do in my home. Like I want to, I don't, I don't want to play in that game. I want my husband values what I do and I value what he does. And the way we let him know each other, that is like, not with like ratings board of who does more and who's worth more in society. But like, did I say thank you? And I appreciate you. And I love when you do this for me, right? Like for me, I started this attitude of gratitude with my husband where I literally would say, I really appreciate you getting up and going to work every day for us. Like no matter what, you just, you don't even have a feeling about it. Like if it were me and when it was me getting up, I was like, I don't, I don't feel like going to work today. And I would just not, you know, my husband doesn't do that. And just appreciating him for everything, even if he is doing things he should do, right? Like, yeah, you should take the garbage out. Duh. But like, yeah. thanks, babe. Thank you for taking the garbage out. I don't need to thank him. No, he's not expecting it. But it's like, what if we just did that instead of, I don't know, keeping track of who did what? Just thank each other for what you notice each other doing. And that just perpetuates this, like, I think feeling of abundance and contentment and and I think equality. like. We see each other as equal in value and worth to each other, right? And screw what society says is the standard of value. That That's just my perspective anyway. It sounds like you guys have a super healthy relationship. Has it has it always been like that? No. And, or was there like no. a turning point? No, it was the most toxic, violent, abusive, horrible relationship ever. And no, I, I was, I cheated on him um three times and every time it was when he was deployed with some military engagement and then um the third time I cheated I I couldn't not tell him and we had been married nine months and I told him like two days later 
lost my crap, expected divorce papers. Uh, he started seeing a counselor and a chaplain, came home for Christmas. So two, three months later after the moment and forgave me and was like, we're going to, I was, I was pregnant too, by the way, I got pregnant and um, we're going to raise this baby and we're, we're going to, we're going to move to the farm. Like his, his parents had a farm because we were in a city and we're going to move to the farm and we're going to do this. And um, no. And then, so like six months after he was born, we got pregnant with twins, took that as a sign that God was like, good job for figuring this out. Here's some babies. Um, <laughs> and, um, no, it was volatile. It was crazy. I had to morph and I hated the military wife lifestyle. And then I was a stay at home mom and I hated that and I didn't want to do it. And so I was emotional and resentful and mean and drunk and then I got over that and I was so invested in the farmer life and created a business around it. But then we had all this dysfunction in our family and I would drink my worries away. And so I would get drunk and I would get violent. And I mean, one time I got arrested because I was swinging a gun around. He thought I was going to shoot him. I wasn't. I was just shooting off in the yard, but it looked bad. And I'd already thrown something at him. So I had to go through all this counseling. I lost access to a gun license for a while. Had to go through anger management and all this court-ordered stuff and uh, family therapy. And then I went into individual therapy. And then I went into coach. I sought coaches and then more therapists. And no, I was crazy. I was crazy. And he had his own issues. Um, abandonment attachment, anxious attachment, you know, love at first sight. So no, it's been crazy and volatile and violent, but then it got really good. And now it's, yeah, it's awesome. It's manageable. It's not always awesome, but I think I don't want to call them basic boring relationship, but we don't also go out of our way to make it dramatic. We've worked on that. And so I guess we are kind of boring and basic now in our own dramatic sense, but no, it was never like that. It took a long time to get where we're at. Um, because we both had so much emotional baggage, you know, from our families and growing up and from our, he had been married and I had kids with another man and there was just, there was a lot, but I think we just. When I hear that, I don't, none of that said to me boring and basic. I, I, <laughs> maybe I, I think. Well, we don't travel like I, and we don't live an extravagant life. We're pretty boring. <laughs> when I hear people say like, oh, they settled down. Like, I don't like that either. I, th I think they get focused. I think they yeah. get invested. Um, yeah. And that's what it kind of sounds like is it, what when you are going through the transformation of going from what sounded like a very emotional person that would let that show and let that, you know, create problems in your relationship what were some of the lessons that changed your mind and like changed kind of who you were in that journey? Um, a lot of it. Well, you know, really what had the biggest impact on me was Don Miguel Ruiz, the four agreements. Now it's the five agreements in an edited version, but it was that, that sunk into me so deep. And that was like 2016 where everything really kind of, I was like, Whoa, okay. But it was, you know, don't take things so personally. I, I took everything personally. Everything affected me. Everything was about me. Everyone was judging me. Me, 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 me. And that made me realize I was really self-centered and egocentric. And, and then it was letting go of blame and scapegoating. 
anything that has happened in my life is nobody else's fault, no matter what. I I let go of fault and blame. And to this day, when we, it's not, it happens when we get unconscious, but when me and Corey catch ourselves scapegoating, it's like, we have to pause, we have to stop because we're not doing anything effective. Because I realized that blaming other people and deciding whose fault it was, was really just a distraction. It didn't get me to what was the root issue and what's the remedy and, and what's the process to get there. And so that was just, that just kind of getting rid of a lot of duality really is letting go of right and wrong, good and evil, uh, better or worse, all those comparative dichotomies that sometimes just are interruptions to intimacy. And then I had to hold myself accountable. I had to say all the things that were true about my actions and behaviors that I didn't want to admit, right? Like I am angry. I am violent, right? I have been abusive. Um, and, and not, I had to believe it that I was that and own it. And then I had to create a new affirmation. Like, what, what do I want to be? Who am I at my core? Right. And that was a lot of, I think sometimes our emotional states become our personality traits and our characteristics. Like we attach ourselves like, yeah, I am defensive. That's not a personality trait, right? That's a defense mechanism. And I was always so proud. Yeah, I am a bitch. Yeah, I am blunt. Yeah, God rolled me that way. And, and it was like, I was just like, that's the way I am. Not recognizing maybe that part of who I am needs to grow up a little bit. And so, yeah, ownership, accountability, and then being authentic about what I was feeling and thinking without worrying about whose feelings it would hurt. But also I took a lot of communication courses and classes to better articulate what I was feeling so that my feelings didn't, you know, cause our words can really wound each other if we're not mindful of what we're saying. And I was using my words as weapons and I didn't want to do that. I wanted my words to be healing. And so it was a mindset change ultimately and really just transforming everything that I thought I was, letting it go, and then going, who am I now? And that comes through, I think, just kind of a spiritual revealing along a path. It doesn't happen overnight. Still happening. I'm still trying to figure out like a lot of who I am. But yeah, definitely. I would say the number one thing that helped me the most was The Four Agreements, the best book I could ever recommend if you really are ready to transform. So yeah. 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 I think I read that right around the same time. And they say that Tom Brady reads that every year. Yeah. Um, it's a, I've read it a lot too. It's a great book. It's it's short too. It's like impressively yeah. impactful for a short book. His, um, um his it, son or no, he wrote a book too called Eros, Don Miguel Ruiz. And that one is beautiful. If you want to dig into love. Yeah. Um, an interesting thing that I'm noticing that's kind of similar in both of our journeys that I think help us keep the different audiences that we speak to accountable is so a lot of what I'm hearing in there. So one of the books that I'm working on writing, which I'm going to take more seriously in September, I keep dropping little hints here and there to my people is I'm working on writing um, confessions of a recovering man child. And I think if, if I were to put a, a book that had a similar title to what you just said is like, confessions of a recovering like woman uh, child yeah woman child insert insert like um like some uh culturally acceptable uh 
like word to discriminate against women sort of is woman child um, not acceptable then that's the one idea not that it's not acceptable <laughs> i've just i've never heard that in reality you know um, i know and i actually wanted to ask about that why don't we do that why don't we call women who are misbehaving and acting a fool women children why do we always say it's man children or a man child but not a woman child because i'm well, a woman I'm, and I'm i can little, tell you uh, sometimes we act like children <laughs> Just like well, our children. I'm a little unwilling to use the words that are coming to mind because I just I don't feel comfortable saying them out loud. But I'm, <laughs> I think there are plenty you of have some words. That's the important part. <laughs> so like I'm all right. I'll, I'll say it. So like the word that's coming to mind is like crazy bitch or something like that. Yeah. That yeah. occurs to me as like something that we hear a lot out yeah, there. Yeah, I guess there um, is. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I refer to myself that way in, in past tense too. So that's okay. Yeah. Are uh, we going to get, so, are we going to get censored? <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think similarly, like, well, that one, I think it has a lot harsher, like louder uh, connotation to it than man child. But I think yeah. similarly, both of us have gone through a, a period where we started to take much more accountability for ourselves and our actions like yeah. like my wife and I we were separated back in 2018 for a couple months and I recognized it was very much a man child type issue where we had just bought a house um I was super ego driven in spending time working on my YouTube channel which I was super excited about I had just had a thousand followers look at me and uh we just bought this house and had committed to doing some work on it so much so that we put holes in walls and tore some things down and um, started working on like getting contract work. We got hit with a giant stop work sign on our front door, mm. uh, which that, that pretty much means that you haven't pulled your permit out and you have to go by the book from there. And like, if you don't go by the book, like you can't, it was a rental property. So it was a three family home mm. that was unrentable. And so through the first couple months I was, I had committed to myself a year prior that I was going to make a YouTube video every day. And I was having a really hard time putting that promise to myself down and being able to say, I promised to my wife and to my future self that like I would work on this house and that I would get through the learning curve that it took to do that. And I wasn't doing that. I was focusing much more on what's easy, which is was recording videos at the time. Um, and I think from being separated where she's like look you're like not you're not the person i married you're not holding up like you're in a bargain like mm. like there are some other issues along that too but i think that was the major things i needed to take accountability for the the circumstance that i created which was having this house that was unrentable and then not continuing to take actions to make it rentable to make it livable um, we, I'm really grateful that we made it through that. That was a really tough, like two years. We yeah. ended up going 22 months without rent. Um, and it was the sweetest sound of footsteps when we were in the first floor and I finally bet. heard renters above us. Yeah. Um, money and, is, or, or not enough money can be such a strangulation in a relationship. Yeah. And I think everyone can relate to that. Like it is you have this like goal plan and then it doesn't follow through and you're like, now what? So yeah. And it really takes a toll on just 
our ability to really relate to each other and focus. And do you think you were focusing on the YouTube thing because you were so kind of like overwhelmed by what was going on? I think that might be part of it. Like you were uh, just trying to distract yourself from thinking about it. A little bit. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think like once you see that something that was hard, so like video editing didn't necessarily come natural to me back in, this was 2016 no 2017. Um, and when I had committed to doing it, like it was, it was a big lift for me to do them daily and it felt like a grind but I really, at least my ego definitely enjoyed it. Every time you'd see 30 views pop up a couple yeah. hours later from my students when I was a teacher. Um, but yeah, I think I was, I was ducking my head underneath the, the hard work and like pretending that this was hard, awesome work that was setting up my future as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, that was the easy route was focusing on something a bit easier. I can relate to that. I do the same thing. I just focus on my work and whatever research I needed to do for like the client I was working with. And I'm like, this is important. I'm going to do it. So I don't have to think about anything else. Cause yeah, sometimes yeah. I think we just don't know how to think about it and it can be so demoralizing and yeah. And it's, and it's hard to admit sometimes I think like just thinking about a conversation me and my husband had a couple of weeks ago is like, it it can be really hard to be like, I'm really afraid like I, I made the the bad decision and like we fucked this up and you don't want to say that, right? Like, and I bet maybe you were like, shit, maybe this was a dumb idea. Maybe this was never supposed to be this rental property, right? But you don't, it can be so scary to say that to your partner. And so it's sometimes just easier to check out, but then we create all this space and distance between each other. And it's like, just, just bite the bullet and do it. Mm. But it's we, good now that you have that that relative experience, like share with other people and maybe yeah. help prevent them from doing the same thing. Yeah, because I, I think there's probably tons of guys out there that and, and I can easily see where, you know, as you become like a brand new parent and you have the the challenge of like there's this new thing, the small alien in your life that you need to make sure is still breathing every minute that you spend with it. Um that's literally how I saw my daughter for the first couple months, just like a small alien that I to make sure it kept breathing. She's still breathing. Um, yeah. I remember those days. <laughs> um, but like, I, I think when, especially if guys don't have paternity leave, which most of them don't, I had the privilege of having three months. Um, and then I ended up getting a fourth month out of it. Um, which I, I enjoyed telling the story of manifesting that. Uh, but like when guys don't have, paternity leave and they can go back to work two two weeks later when many of their colleagues are kind of expecting them to and like when pe the a lot of societal norms are saying that they ought to i think that's when a lot of relationships suffer because their whole landscape at home has changed and they mm -hmm. get to plug back into work which is familiar and easy yeah. comparatively like it might still suck it might still be a grind but like it's like what we know is often easier than what we aren't used to and then they come back home and meanwhile maybe a brand new mom is struggling her face off and like the ability to articulate what she needs probably isn't present and i think 
if if we were to look at how to deal with what we're talking about here, where we started this conversation tonight, um, I think if we were to look at like societal changes, like like paternity leave, I think mm-hmm. that would make a huge difference in these types of conversations. Um, if we're creating more societal norms where guys also are having flexible um, like workplaces where they can also be expected to go take care of the kid when, when they they have a sick day and stuff. Um, I know I'm speaking more specifically about um, marriages with children, but I think that those would be significantly different because I was able to be behind what felt like behind the scenes of having a small child and like seeing all the domestic labor that was going to, that need to happen, seeing the mental labor she was going through and seeing the, the mental load that she was holding on to that I'm really glad I read the fair play books. I didn't have words to articulate what was happening in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. My husband had paternity leave for both the the pregnancies and that was enormously helpful for me because my first two children, I was a single mom. Their dad would show up whenever he felt like it. And so I had to go through that all by myself which probably led to a lot of resentment and why we didn't last. But yeah, with my husband, just and that gives, I think, the man an opportunity to really bond intimately with that newborn that so many miss out on. And then for a lot of men, there's this resentment that builds that they don't have that initial bond and they don't have the, you know, experiential bond. So in a way, they almost feel disconnected from their children to a degree. And so it's important that we are always encouraging men to like, you know, and and be there and be connected and, and be in proximity with the children and like, not just let the mom handle everything. So, I mean, I, I appreciate what you're pointing out and I realize that you're pointing out just different, different characters that women have probably presented to or, or, or that we've even heard of. Right. And so there, and I'm not, I'm not denying there aren't problematic men out there. There are so many, right? It's obvious in the comment fields to some degree. But I, I do have an appreciation for how you are addressing these things, right? And you're you're presenting these different characters for people to go, to be able to relate to that, right? Be like, oh yeah, I'm kind of like that person. Yeah. Okay, I kind of do that. And without, I like the humor to it too, because I think humor is what helps us heal, and humor humbles us, right? And if we can laugh at what we see like uh, projected outward in a mocking sense, it can almost make us feel a little relieved to want to grow from that. You know what I mean? Because it's like someone's not judging you or shaming you for it. They're just kind of making you making fun of it a little bit. And that's appealing. And I think that speaks highly toward like uh, the male language, if there's one to identify um, and that comic and comedic relief. Um, and so that's going to lead me to the question about this book, right. And this title that you have, and I think you have like an ebook or something with that man child phrase in there. Do you so find, I, I changed it, uh, Wait, probably did? for the reason that you might, I'll because were people getting first. like offended by it or, or I thought about it. Right. Cause I was like, is that, does that word work for men? Cause I know a lot of sensitive mm. men. So, you know, does it work? And, or so go ahead and explain. Cause you changed it, huh? Yeah. So I changed it to mental load one-on-one and I think it was, uh, so 
I have a sort of an automated email sequence that that shows up for people after they've downloaded it. And I said, hey, how, how did implementing that go? And I think it was the third email response I got that said, yeah, so like I, I, I downloaded it. I was talking with my therapist about it and they agreed that I should not show this to my husband because he can't, he couldn't, we know that he wouldn't be able to take it. He wouldn't be able to hear uh, man child at the top and one, take the document seriously, but two, like be able to take any coaching or any like positive, like generative growth from that. Yeah. So changing it to one-on-one definitely took a bit of the, the, the gender direction out of it, I think, mm-hmm. first of all. And second, I think uh, it took the, the poking fun at out of it. Um, I do think that the, the book that I'm working on and calling myself a man child, I think that has a lot more value to it. Cause I'm, I'm speaking, I'm, I'm attacking myself. Yeah. And I'm like being vulnerable. You're not like calling all man versus... children out there. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And I, I think the same too. Like I, I do that when I'm like, yeah, I was acting like a crazy bitch, but like, you better not call me one. And I'm not calling other people that either. It's just myself. And so with that, it's like almost like just an ownership of my, my growth experience or whatever, my expressionism, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I had seen that. And I, sa- I said that to my husband. I said, would you read a book like this? And he's like, eh, I don't really like the title. And I'm like, yeah. But at the same degree, I kind of appreciated the dig. I did. My husband digs on me all the time with words maybe I could be sensitive about. So I can relate to that. It's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's funny is uh, when we we've gone like uh, hiking before, and you know how you're supposed to have like your your mountain name, like like Rising Eagle or you know Little Bear, like things like that. Is we decided that my hiking name was Manchild. Did your wife call you that? I think it was one day when I was being it's like. Well, after we were married, I think we were hiking. I was just, I was being super goofy, and while being goofy, being a bit aloof of like the weather that was coming and like the way that I was sort of treating my body. Like I think I was doing push ups or pull ups or something. Meanwhile, I was completely exhausted. She's like, you "Probably save your energy for the rest of the mountain, Zach. Like you've been complaining about like." <laughs> being out of breath and stuff. Um, so like, you know, things like that. I, I think that's, that's definitely a man child ism is like wanting to take that man to try to stroke your ego and say, I can do pull-ups, but at the same time, like not really paying close enough attention to things that, that matter more. Yeah, no, I get that. All right. Well, I want to be mindful of your time. You probably have things to get to. I have a dinner to get to. Um, I really appreciate this. I'm looking forward to the feedback on this, but uh, thank you for coming to see where I'm coming from and sharing with me where you're coming from. And I think you're right. I think we probably see eye to eye in a lot of things. We we probably want the same thing for other people. We just have different ways of getting there and that's okay. And so I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Zach. Yeah. Thank you for continuing to help me restore my my appreciation for people to have like positive discourse that start in opposites and, and find some great common ground. Yeah, that makes it a transformation conversation. Hell yeah. That's good stuff. All right. Well, you take care. Thank you so much. You too. I didn't Bye. know.